Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. It's Friday the 29th of September. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be taking a listen to Edward Snowden in an interview he well, did, or at least was uploaded about a month ago. Dr Peter McCullough, I think he's talking to the EU Parliament. We're going to be listening to Neil Oliver. There you go, you can probably hear his accent come on there, just as I queued the video up as well. Dr um, Behean. Uh, if I've said his name correctly, he's going to be talking uh, about uh, some things about the vaccine. That and much, much more coming up on today's show. And we're also going to be looking at censorship from a variety of angles. So, uh, and if we get through to it as well, there's a documentary which I think I watched as a teenager. Oh, I say documentary, a, a short little excerpt on the harp from 1995, talking about it being ready for 1997. So, um, I found that on the internet. Well, that's quite interesting. I think I remember watching that as a teenager. So I thought that would be quite interesting to see. When I've said before about certain weather modification technologies and people go, oh, that's science fiction. Mate, it was science fact, and it was science fact probably before I was born. So it was interesting to be able to go back, you know, 30-odd years and find a clip about weather modification coming online. Or at least iron ionosphere modification. And so on and so forth. So, so we'll get that. We probably won't have time. You know what it's like. But it's on my back burner for clips to play at some point. Anyway, let's get straight into it and have a listen to Edward Snowden. This is from anonymous official, and it's got a tick next to it. So uh, <laughs> that in itself makes me laugh because isn't the tick to say that you verified someone? So has YouTube verified? Yep, we can verify. <laughs> They definitely haven't verified themselves. <laughs> Is that how it works? I'm not technically minded. Maybe not. But anyway, that's what the channel's called. Anonymous Official. And uh, this was uploaded about a month ago. And the video is called Edward Snowden Cries. I'm exposing the whole thing. Let's see what he's exposing, shall we? Or let's listen to what he's exposing. We talk about... Uh awards for progress and civil liberties. We talk about the importance of independent thought um, and, and the history of it. And this is really what it is. You know, I, I, I did sign up to work for the government. Um, I volunteered uh, for the army. I, <laughs> I applied to the CIA. I worked as a contractor uh, in NSA facilities on NSA computers uh, again and again and again. People think contractors like you're working in a different building, but no, you're, you're in, it's just a con continuation of government service. And also you joined the military after 9-11 because you wanted to fight. I did when everyone else was protesting. I was a younger man uh, and I was uh, much less politically educated, I'd like to think, than I am uh, today. You know, some things only come with experience. Uh, but so, yeah, it, it raises this question of how does, you know, how experience and questioning mainstream media like who I was become someone like who I am. Um, and I got to tell you, it was hard. It, it wasn't easy. It wasn't natural. It wasn't something I ever expected to do. Uh, but like I said, I signed up to all of these things. I, I volunteered because I believed uh, in a prevailing uh, national mythos uh, to which we are all subscribed. Uh, when we're born into our country, when we go to a school system where we're basically the only one in the world, uh, where you get up in the morning and you pledge allegiance to a flag. Uh, we all have the same stories. Um, we all watch the same uh, channels. You know, uh, We see men like you on, on TV uh, kind of telling us um, what's happening in the world and what it's like. And 
what changed me um, was a realization that as someone who held a top secret clearance and, and had access far beyond uh, what a top secret clearance would entitle someone to generally, the private truths of what was actually happening in our government, what our government actually does, uh, what our nation was involved in without the knowledge or consent of the people that it purports to represent, um, was very different than the public representation of it. And that... And I would argue that that is the case for a lot of the Western NATO-type style countries. Really, just that? In fact, probably the same for all countries where there is a bureaucracy in, demo, uh, you know, supposed democracy in place. Anywhere where there's a mainstream media, I would say. Need alone um, was the start of a journey that would take me many years uh, to ultimately realize and the decision, as you said, um, to come forward. Uh, and the ultimate reason why I came forward was simply to bridge that gap in my own experience and, and share that with everyone else, to share the realization that I came to, that what we were being told is true and real and is the state of our world, uh, was in fact a witting and continuing lie uh, by some of the highest representatives in our government. And I felt that people needed to know that. What was the lie? I think the most famous one um, for me, and really, uh, you know, the, the turning point um, would be when you look at uh, the exchange between um, Senator Ron Wyden and then Director of National Intelligence, uh, James Clapper. Uh, this is a sworn testimony in, in front of uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, and for those who don't remember it, because it was uh, some time ago, it looked a little bit like this. <laughs> So what I wanted to see is if you could give me a yes or no answer to the question, does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not? Not wittingly. There are cases where they could inadvertently perhaps uh, collect, but not, not wittingly. Uh, now, the importance of this is to, to think about what that represented. Um, this, of course, was, was false. The NSA was collecting uh, the phone records of every Verizon customer uh, on a daily basis. Um, they were doing this for other major telecommunications providers as well. I just didn't have the judicial order for that. Um, and this was happening to the Internet. This was happening to email communications. What was happening was... Uh, a change in technology from the old internet that was uh, sort of non-commercial, very individual and simple. Uh, it was pretty crude. Everything was cobbled together to this larger, more corporatized internet where all of our communications, all of our interactions, all of our relationships, all the things that we read and like online um, are being passed to us through a Facebook or a Google or an Apple. And in secret, these, um, these companies uh, had basically gone far beyond what the law required uh, of government to join programs where they would share information with the NSA through the front door of the FBI. Uh, and it was continuing for years without the kind of individual warrants and um, legal process that we expected uh, and we had become accustomed to that we're told in the Constitution, this is how our government works. And so for me, uh, when you ask what was the, the lie 
Um, the lie was not any one particular part of these programs. It wasn't a particular detail. It was the fact that there was a breathtaking sweep of intentional knowing public deception uh, by people at the level of the Senate, by people in these uh, different executive agencies, um, uh, intelligence agencies, and then in the White House itself, even from the president, uh, then President Barack Obama, who campaigned on ending warrantless wiretapping that he had criticized so heavily in the Bush administration, um, but had in fact, in secret, uh, extended and embraced uh, these programs and these authorities uh, to a level that I began to feel had uh, truly narrowed the boundaries of our rights. Does the NSA routinely intercept American citizens' emails? So I just wanted to say there, so it was when they're in opposition, it's this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, and then in power, oh. So just, you know, we talk about what, and I'm not saying one person is or one person is, I'm speaking merely in generalities, what is controlled opposition? It tells you what you want to hear till it's in no longer opposition, then it's just controlled. <laughs> and not by the people that vote for it. And there's usually a big disconnect between them and their voter base. And usually there's someone that comes along and says, hey, when you were in opposition, you said this. And when now you're in power, you said that. You're a liar, you're a shill, I'll do things differently. That person rises to power, and then they are the next controlled opposition disconnected with their base, repeat cycle again. Anyway, to continue with Ed Snowden. Now, does the NSA intercept Americans' cell phone conversations? No. Google searches? No. Text messages? No. Amazon.com orders? No. Bank records? No. We're not authorized to do it, nor do we do it. You're at the NSA, and you're dealing with these secrets before you even saw the head of the National Security Agency on TV, and what did you think about them then? Well, so this was the, the thing. When you look at the arc of my career in intelligence, um, I was always working on the technical aspect uh, of it. And so, by and large, I was uh, modernizing our systems because post 9-11, uh, the intelligence community realized they weren't very good uh, <laughs> at using technology. They thought they were. Um, and in a way, uh, it was true that they were, but it was a different era's technology. They were great with radio. They were great with satellite. They weren't so good with computers. They weren't so good with the internet. So they brought in a bunch of shaggy young guys who looked like me. And they really liked what you did, and you were a star. A absolutely. But it wasn't that I was, you know, exceptional, um, so much that I represented a generation that was native to these new systems. Uh, that they had shied away from because they didn't trust the security of them. It turned out with good reason. Um, but uh, my generation came in, we shared our experiences, we shared our specialties, and we were always looking at what we were doing through a straw. Um, and you have to understand this principle that we hear of in the movies, you know, need to know, um, means normally you get a project, you do a project. You don't know where it goes, you don't know who else is using it. Um, but bit by bit, I was uh, redirecting and uh, collecting the flow of intelligence. Then I was backing it up, uh, permanizing it, uh, making it so that uh, if we lost a building, if we lost a site, we didn't lose everything that had passed through that, the information that had been passed through that. And I thought uh, this was information about terrorists. I thought this was saving lives. I thought this was preventing wars. 
Um, but as I moved higher and higher uh, in the organization, as I moved from CIA to NSA, um, as I moved from office to office, uh, my straw that I'm looking through gets wider and wider and wider until I land in this place called the Office of Information Sharing. It turned out I would be much better at this job than anyone expected. Um, and I saw everything. And it's only there uh, when you see the consequences of your uh, labor and the different parts of your career all brought together uh, with the labor of others of your entire generation who themselves, not sitting in the position you are, can't see the big picture impact of what they're doing. And the public who never even knew this stuff existed. Uh, and again, this was occurring without their consent, but in theory, uh, it was being carried out in their name. Uh, it felt to me that we needed to know, we needed to actually decide, is this what we want to happen or not? And you talked to your supervisors. Yeah, I talked to my supervisors. I talked to my colleagues on Constitution Day. They were all fine with it. This is just what we do. and. No problem. Well, actually, actually, it, it's not quite uh, that uh, people had no problems. When I brought up uh, these programs that many of them had never heard of because they hadn't been exposed to them, um, I said, does this look right to you? Uh, when I show that we're collecting more internet communications in the United States uh, at the NSA than we were in Russia, right? Uh, meaning we are ingesting more Americans' communication than we are ingesting Chinese people's communications or uh, Russians' communications or North Koreans' communications or whoever you're afraid of, right? The bulk of our collection uh, was happening domestically and happening with the aid of uh, other partners in what's called the Five Eyes Network, the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. Um, and then the NSA would go, well, yes, we're collecting all of these communications, but we're not reading them all. We're capturing uh, everything that you, John Stossel, are doing online. We're capturing everything that your family's doing online, that your friends are doing online. But we just pinky promise it's not being used for anything bad. Um, and then, you know, being an engineer, I see how these things actually are being touched. They are being processed. They are being sorted through uh, every single day. Uh, algorithmically, uh, it sort of proves the lie, right, uh, that all of these promises, they don't really amount to much. All of these processes and regulations and procedures uh, don't amount to much. And in reality, what the NSA is doing every single day is ordinary course of business is violating not only the laws as written, but likely the Constitution. And I tell this to the guy sitting to my right, a good friend of mine. Say, tell this to the guy sitting to my left, a good friend of mine, uh, to my office manager, right? Um, and all of them actually in private, right? When, when you're not in email, uh, when they're just speaking heart to heart about this, they go, no, you know, this, this is crazy. Um, I'm not sure why we're doing this. I'm not sure how we're doing this. I'm not sure this is legal, but you know what happens to people who talk about this, right? I wouldn't put this in writing. I wouldn't go, you know, to this office or that office. They're not going to do anything about it. It's not your job. It's not my job. This is way above our uh, pay level, basically. But what happens uh, to us as an organization at the NSA? What happens to us as Americans? Uh, what happens to us as a society if everybody sees something wrong and goes, well, if I say something about it, I'm going to get into trouble? What happens if everybody goes, I'm not going to do anything about this because it's not my job? Uh, that's how things go wrong um, in a much more serious way. And the reality was I was just like them. Uh, for a long time, I had had a growing sense of unease 
but in reality, it was not my job to fix it. Uh, and this was actually one of the criticisms that was eventually leveled against me was they go, you know, who elected you? Um, but it's not about, you know, who you are. Um, it's about what you've witnessed. It's about what you can prove. And does that matter? And I think the, the last seven years when we've seen the courts review these programs and confirm that they were, in fact, unlawful, we've seen laws changed even by the legislature that was implicated in the wrongdoing in the first place. But at some point you decided, I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly because of this. Um, if I keep my mouth shut, the guy to my right, the guy to my left, we, you know, we all think this is wrong and we all keep our mouth shut. Um, what does tomorrow look like? And the year after that, and the year after that. Uh, the reality with um, these kind of extraordinary powers in government, uh, particularly, in, uh, we all understand this now in the post 9-11 moment, because it's not just surveillance. It's happened in war. It's happened in international diplomacy. It's happened in economy with the financial crisis, how we bail out the banks, uh, but we don't bail out ordinary people. Um, when the government writ large identifies a moment of crisis, uh, they use that crisis for uh, an exceptional demand for exceptional powers to which they normally wouldn't be entitled. Uh, this was the rise of the Patriot Act, right? This was how uh, the Bush administration got involved in more or less wiretapping. This is how we got uh, extrajudicial killings through drone strikes uh, off the ground. Um, this is how we got involved in torture. But it's always uh, justified as, an, again, an exception to ordinary operations, uh, something that's done for a narrow purpose in a narrow way, um, but then nobody objects to it. Uh, these all happen in secret, remember. Um, they keep uh, the body of witnesses small by design to limit the amount of dissent that can occur uh, internally, organizationally. Um, and those who do complain are generally shuffled off the program. They're put in a closet somewhere. Uh, and they ride out their days to retirement if they're lucky, um, never doing anything that, that matters again, uh, but also not having access to anything that could cause problems for those who are violating people's rights or our laws. Um, but this, as you said, why speak up? Uh, if you sit by and see a system engaged in wrongdoing uh, and you do nothing, uh, even if you don't participate in it any longer, uh, even if you resign, you are perpetuating a system of wrongdoing. You have become uh, not just part of the wrongdoing, but but party to it. Um, and for me, and that's where I'll leave uh, Edward Snowden. Uh, I've played 15 minutes of that. It continues for best part of an hour, but I'll leave that there. So he's talking about the United States there, and I'm no lawyer, but in the UK we have something similar called GCHQ and so on and so forth. And there was all that um, the controversy with what can they, Cambridge Analytica and all that kind of stuff, what can they capture, what was legal, what was not, what could they do, what could not. And in the UK recently we've seen something called the online safety bill and as ever it will be touted as uh, something that is good for you hence the word safety in there but it's a, I'm not a lawyer it's alleged that there's a lot of backdoor problems with regards to privacy and um, being able to being able to police everything you say on communication devices and so on and so forth and where 
that, that, that power and how they can get that information, that's beyond my technology and legal understanding. But there, just as there was, I said last, was it last week or the week before, with the weather modification, doesn't exist, nut job, doesn't exist, nut job, doesn't exist, nut job. Oh, it does exist, but it's not like you said, nut job. Um, it's a really good thing. Um, it struck me that there would be a, if they have, from what Edward Snowden was saying, no, we, you know, we're, um, there would come a point where it's illegal to use it moving to legal to use it and it looks like from what some people uh, privacy groups and some lawyers are saying it may in some cases in the UK be in this online safety bill which we'll now talk um, listen to Neil Oliver talking about um, so the point I was trying to make what there was there comes a point where this the ability to spy and collect data needs to go to or we need to be able to use that Ah, oh, it's illegal to use that because if we were using it we we're admitting to reading it there comes a point where you need to make that legal to be able to then bring on your further your electronic police state surveillance state could the online safety bill be that let's have a listen to what neil oliver thinks about this with their sweaty fists inside the sock puppets, those hollow things we're expected to believe are running the show to fish or cut bait. Either those puppeteers grow some and have their puppets mouth the words once and for all that we live now in a dictatorship where niceties like free speech, due process and equality before the law no longer apply, or they accept what so many suspect, that they haven't got the necessary nerve to look us in the eyes and tell us what they really have in mind and so back off. Them's the choices, as they say. While those puppet masters obfuscate, dissemble and distract, all the while polishing their fantasies and their Bond villain lairs, it's long past time for the rest of us, those that care about free speech and presumption of innocence and the like, to talk loudly and honestly, without fear of consequences, about what matters to all of us. Because the truth is, we're talking loudly and honestly about less and less. We're still not talking about all the harm done to our children on account of COVID and lockdown and the rest of the nonsense. We're not talking about those left dead or injured by the products pushed as vaccines. We're not talking about hundreds of excess deaths every day, month after month, of people young and old, now sick and dying, dying of all sorts, because too many people don't even want to think about what they know in their hearts. We're not this is not just we're not talking about the torrent of taxpayers money flooding into ukraine and into the bank accounts of warmongers and oligarchs and all the international villains of the day we're not talking about that because people are made afraid of the names they will be called and action that might be taken against them question the narrative that enriches the few and sees to the slaughter of hundreds of thousands we're also not talking about the blatant seizure and erasure of freedom, about the imposition of more and more surveillance metastasized in Parliament, legislation that empowers tech moguls to dictate what may or may not be posted online. We are to be hands clasped over our mouths. Among the overreach in the bill is government power to force companies to provide them with secret back doors into encrypted conversations so that privacy is at an end and the government and its little wizards can pry wherever they like, regardless of consent. Remember, we voted for none of this, not so much as a word of it, 
The online safety bill is a charter for eavesdropping. Eavesdropping with malicious intent. Establishment snooping into yet another private place. An end to private conversations altogether. Not for the first time, I ask, who do these people think they are? Can it be only a coincidence that while the bill was passing through Parliament, backbench MP Dame Caroline Dynage took it upon herself to use the power of the government she represents to try and choke off an individual's livelihood? We should be talking loudly about the fact she's married to a sometime high up in the 77th Brigade, the military wing of the propaganda war, still being waged against the taxpaying public, tasked with controlling the narrative. It's not just the authorities and the 77th Brigade doing the watching and seeking the silencing and the censorship. Their purpose is to drive division so that more and more citizens are tricked into doing the state's dirty work for them. More and more people are watching their neighbours, digital net curtains twitching in hopes of finding something they can use to do harm. Oh, they'd have loved East Germany in the 80s. It's not to people they've never met and don't even know. The authorities are willfully arming... Oh, seems to have cut out. Let me see if I can just uh, replay it now. Let's press pause and see what happens. ...of a witch. They did in 17th century Salem, Massachusetts, and they do in 21st century Britain, as it turns out, as it all... Ah, so there you go. It's probably not a conspiracy <laughs> to silence Neil Oliver and uh, get that video to play badly. It's probably more likely my internet connection. I've loaded too many things. Not everything is a conspiracy, folks. Let's try again. As it always turns out. We're also not talking about an energy bill MPs passed this month by a huge majority that empowers the state to kick your door in if you're not obeying every diktat of the green agenda and net zero and the rest of the suicide note written on our behalf by the zealots pushing what I call the climate hoax. Legislation that imposes more severe penalties for lighting a wood-burning stove than for attacking a stranger in the street. We're not talking about the overmighty parliament displaying blatant contempt for the people, you and me, that they're paid and sworn to serve. Instead of talking and shouting like we should be doing now, we're increasingly smothered by a blanket of silence woven of fear of the consequences of speaking up and speaking out. That fear is the key locking us inside a cage that otherwise does not exist. I say we're not talking loudly enough about any of the things that matter, and we all know that that's plain wrong, and will be our undoing if we don't change our ways. I say those in authority taking these draconian steps are labouring under the misapprehension that they're clever, cleverer than all of us. I say they are in fact stupid, or at least stupid clever, by which I mean that lethal condition afflicting those who believe they're clever, when in reality they're dumber than dirt. I say too many of those in authority are arrogant most of all, and that arrogance is the handmaiden of ignorance, and that in the final analysis, where the reckoning is made, they are ignorant of what it means to be human and alive. Again, I say it's never about what they say it's about. Online safety is sold as protecting children. If they or anyone in authority cared about children in the online world or the real world, they would talk about child trafficking, they would release the Epstein client list, Instead of moving heaven and earth to destroy this or that individual, they would act in the case of the innumerable rapes and abuses of children that happen every day in town after town. Where, I ask, is the wall-to-wall, front-page-to-front-page outrage about that and a thousand other horrors? Child trafficking, and I do mean children, 
including babies and toddlers, are bought and sold all around the world into slavery, into rape. And instead of broadcasting that, what do we get from the mainstream media? Just another unedifying spectacle, bread and circuses from the servants of the state. Instead of exposing the wholesale wrongs of the world, we have to swallow down our gorge as they preen and strut and boast about the power of investigative journalism in relation to the choreographed destruction of the one after sitting on their hands and salaries for three years of calamitous lockdowns, destruction of rights and the rest. Never in the field of human conflict have so many blind eyes been turned to the suffering of the children. Let's call the online safety bill what it really is, what it's really for. No more and no less than a volume control that allows the authorities to turn down all the way to silence voices they don't want anyone to hear. Speaking for myself for a moment, I know my every move on social media is watched in hopes of weaponising it. I still don't bother to check what other people follow, what they click their like buttons about or why, but unknown numbers watch me round the clock with nothing but mischief and harm in their hearts. In the past few years those curtain twitchers have seen to it that I've parted company with the National Trust for Scotland, for whom I was the first and only president who wasn't an aristocrat, from Combat Stress a charity for war veterans suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, for whom I was a patron, by the Sunday Times in Scotland, for whom I was a columnist, by the Association of Lighthouse Keepers, for whom I was a patron, by These Islands, a group campaigning for Scotland to remain part of the UK. Most recently, the Royal Society of Edinburgh informed me my spoken views were incompatible with my fellowship. And as soon as I realised they wanted fellows to think and speak as they were told, and that the RSE was therefore less a body of scientific inquiry and more a cult, I dropped them like a hot potato. Silencing and censoring are everywhere. Last week, a good friend of mine was suspended from X, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, for no reason he could discern that he co-hosted, along with me and Lawrence Fox, another good friend, an online discussion about tyranny and the need for change, that he later engaged in debate with interested parties about direct democracy and the power of the people, may or may not have played its part in having him sent to the naughty step. Online protest by his many supporters got him reinstated the same day, as if to prove the point of what is easily done by people acting together. Our voices, used to tell the truth, are all any of us really has. More than anything else, these years just past have been about keeping us apart, driving division. Everywhere people meet was closed. People were frightened into their homes. Now the online world they chased us into turns out to be something else they feel the need to shut down. They didn't see that one coming, those stupid, clever people. But people talk and the truth will out. Here's the thing, this is a tipping point. Do we come together, every colour and creed, and share the truth and tell the stupid clever where to go? Or do we close our mouths forever and go home to be alone? I'm all for shouting now, and if Dame Caroline has me in her sights, she can address the letter to the coast guy. The Royal Mail know where I live. So, uh, interesting speech by Neil Oliver there. I think he made some really good points. Um, he's talked talking there about uh, Lawrence Fox I haven't seen the speech but I think he's gotten in a bit of bother with um, what he said and I, again I don't do personalities I speak in generalities um, and I think other people have been fired as a result for sticking up for Lawrence Fox so the end result for GB News and sort of what you would want you know the great questioning of mainstream media is uh, a lot of people who went to 
GB News quite liked it because it had people that spoke freely. So now they're going to get. It's almost going to be like the you know the the Fox News situation in with Tucker Carlson, I think. In um, and again, not necessarily saying comparing uh, Lawrence Fox, you know, his viewership on GB News to Tucker Carlson. I'm saying again, I'm speaking in generalities of viewership and people going. Oh, well, yeah, I'm a bit tired of all this other stuff, but GB News is okay. Okay, well, yeah, there's some free speech there. Oh, blah, blah, it's coming on to there now. So where do they go after that? I don't think they're going to go back to other mainstream news which have even more, um, less dissent in groupthink than GB News. So what do they do? Continue to watch GB News thinking, well, this is all the people I like have gone for one reason or another and again this isn't me defending what Lawrence Fox has said because I haven't listened to it so I wouldn't know would I but I'm just talking about free speech in general and my view of the viewership of GB News so more people will go well where have they gone and I think some of the people will then go oh you have to find them on the internet and I think that's what quite a lot of the online safety bill backdoor stuff that these people are warning about is about um, in my opinion so that will be more and more people what I think what will happen to GB News is what will happen to Fox over there they'll start to follow individuals it will go mainstream news to GB News to individuals to following those individuals on the internet and then when you can't find them anymore with online safety bills what happens then so there's a clip on the beyond the news telegram group this is jacob reese mogg and the uh clip was uploaded and it has on remember i've always said this isn't me um posting things onto the beyond the news telegram group i just like people posting videos and mainstream links i love how no one puts an opinion on there i like that there's so many corners of the internet where people can have an argument pretty much all over the internet. But on my group, I just like it to keep keep it links. No opinions, no arguments, just a resource for learning for others to have our own opinion. We don't need to have arguments with other people trying to change your opinions, just facts. And we do our own research and the members on the Beyond the News all seem to be on my kind of wavelength, which is nice. So a big thank you to the people that have joined the Beyond the News Telegram group. I'm sure... If we continue to get new members sooner or later, they will be Captain I Want an Argument. And that could go one of two ways. It, uh, for my Beyond the Group, it could be someone, You guys are just conspiracy theorists light. You're not talking about any of the real issues. You're just talking about the entrance of the rabbit hole. Yes, that's exactly what the show is designed for. Or it could be the other way people well away from the rabbit hole going there is no rabbit hole and we're going um mm, mm. if you come over here you'll quite clearly see there are several um we don't know what's down them there's a matter of a debate but the fact that there are rabbit holes and that you shouldn't trust the mainstream media blindly i think we're there for the majority of people now but there will always be those that like oh the viewership on my my team is losing because people aren't watching as the bell curve distribution of people that believe mainstream media, the people that actually believe it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, they're going to get more and more irritated that people are questioning them. You know? Hey, you went 
I remember when groupthink was the majority. Now I'm in the minority and that makes me feel bad. And it's people like you that have done that by questioning people like me. And I'm going to take it out on you. So just to be aware of that. But the majority in the middle of the bell curve are going to be distrusting mainstream media and politicians more so than ever before. And I think more and more people went to GB News because they, you know, the, the Dr. John Campbells of the world. You know, I'm not saying he was on there or a fan of it, but people who've just gone, I don't trust the mainstream media, I don't trust the politicians, and at least GB News seems to have people on there that agree with me, or at least they did. So where do they all go? It's This, is, this will be an important part in the wake-up process of getting some of those people away from mainstream media completely. Now, not everyone is going to go from GB News straight to Rumble? Of course not, but there will be those that do. And once they're there, they're probably going to go, oh, I quite like this guy. Who did he have on his show? Oh, blimey. God, you never had him on GB News. <laughs> and you're going to look it all up and you're going to go, wait, that guy's right. Why did he not? He's saying some really important stuff. And then whoever's been booted off will go, here's the reason I couldn't have him on GB News anymore. Go down that rabbit hole. So it's all part of an ongoing uh, reaction and each reaction has an equal and opposite reaction so this is the ongoing reaction between those that wish to censor and those that wish to know the information to be censored and uh, the more they censor the more people go who weren't noticing the censorship go why are you censoring my friend he's not XYZ I want to know more so it will be a, an ongoing awakening to the reality that the mainstream media has agendas other than the truth more and more and more as we go forward through a variety of angles and people will go online and to do that if the people are shifting away from the mainstream media you're going to need to start shifting more and more control of online aren't you so here is a clip of Japer Reese Mogg um, oh, I was going to say yeah the, the clip says the last dying embers of our democracy right there magnificent speech by JRM before the treasonous online safety bill went through we do not live in a democracy we live in a dictatorship so just the things that I want to comment uh, on that is those comments come with the video um, if you just press the share you could download it and um, upload it yourself without the comments but let's face it most people don't have time inclination to do that so um, that's just what I'm saying is just because there is um, I'm leaving up the video it's the video I want people to see and by doing that I don't necessarily agree with the comments underneath I just agree with the video wanting to be seen and people's free speech about that video so uh, in this particular case I don't even because the the online safety bill wasn't even mentioned I don't even know first of all because there's no way of dating this kind of stuff. Or I suppose there could be if you went online and checked the online safety bill and checked what they were wearing and the colour ties and dresses women wear. I suppose you could do that. But I can't be bothered to do that. So I just wanted to give more of a general awareness to say just because there's a video on the site doesn't mean I necessarily think A, Jacob Reese mogg is a good person. Two, I necessarily agree with the um, words. Uh, three... Um, 
is it even about the online safety bill? I mean, he's very passionate against it. But for all we know about Jacob Rees-Mogg, this video could have been about giving free lunch money to children that he would be passionately against if you know what this bloke's like. But anyway, um, so just words of um, common sense and realism as we move forward with this online safety bill to say, just because I um, allow a video on the... Uh, don't want to sound like I've got any sort of power or anything like that. But just because I consent to a video being shared on my Beyond the News Telegram group doesn't mean that I agree with the sentiment or even like the person that's saying it just because I like what they're saying, if it is indeed about the online safety bill. So just general uh, saying that moving forward for this show and all others. So if, if ever I get into any trouble with any videos at some point, I can go, right, listen to the 29th of September show, probably around the 45 minute mark. Let's go and have a 40 minute mark here. Yeah, I've done some rear end covering. All right, so let's listen to Jacob Rees-Mogg, shall we? The approach taken today is the most unconstitutional use of this house since the days of Charles Stuart Parnell when he tried to bung up Parliament. Usurping the executive's rights is unconstitutional. The abuse of emergency debates to do so is unconstitutional. And the bill itself is yet more unconstitutional. A.V. Dicey said all conventions have one ultimate object, to secure that Parliament or the Cabinet shall in the long run give effect to the will of the people. These conventions are being disregarded today, and so by extension is the will of the nation. Parliament sets itself against the people. Sovereignty comes from the people to Parliament. It does not come to Parliament out of a void. If Parliament tries to challenge the people, this stretches the elastic of our Constitution near to breaking point. We should recognise that the people are our masters and show us to be their lieges and servants, not to place ourselves in the position of their overlords. As we come to vote today, I hope all members, Mr Speaker, will contemplate the current constitutional confusion and consider the chaos this concatenation of circumstances could create. Elastic. <laughs> so, I agree with the sentiment, um, not exactly the poster boy for the working class and will of the free people, is he? <laughs> but... Fair play, he's gone up and he's done a speech against his own party and you've got to respect him for that and uh, got to respect the sentiment. Let's see if it does anything more than words or whether he is the, um, you know, oh, obviously there'll be a, an up, there will be people concerned about this. Well, what do we do? Oh, well, that Jacob Rees-Mogg's running. He did that speech, didn't he? He said some words the day before the bill was passed. He said some words that I agree with. He's got to be our saviour, you know, and then he gets into power. Oh, do you know, he didn't do anything he said he was going to do in that speech. You'd, you'd have thought he'd have done something differently from that speech you gave. Oh, we've got him for another five years now. What's he going to do now? Will it be one of them? We shall see what happens. So in all of this sort of clamp down on free speech, government control of speech, government control of information, we get this. So this is from the Daily Mail. Is the US government preparing to announce aliens 
This is the Senate's proposed UFO controlled disclosure plan and how it would work. The Senate passed an act that would require disclosure of UFO evidence. The act would give government offices 300 days to collect records. A review board would then look at records before going public. So two thoughts on that to begin with. Oh, the will of the people's suddenly going to get through and all the UFO stuff's coming out, is it? We live in times now where, oh, no, it's the opposite. We're living in times where more and more stuff's being censored. So why any age of increasing censorship is suddenly this coming out now? That's my first question, because this has been, you know, we've had all of this stuff on the Senate stuff. They're, they're talking about stuff that happened best part of 20 years ago. This has been known for a while, and there's been hearings and... Uh, attempts at disclosure projects and well-known people speaking out this is not like some sort of you know it, it th there was there was like um a foot off the brake on this sort of stuff i i want to know who took the foot off the brake and because this is this stuff's been going on for a while and why is it now coming to the forefront in an age of ever-growing censorship why suddenly is it oh they've got to release this all now why do we suddenly have this wonderful glowing uh desire for government to be transparent on this one particular subject and increasingly opaque on all the others hmm. that's my first question that i have the second is that pass an act that would require disclosure of ufo evidence i remember this is dated what 25th of september so i listened to a um i listened to I'm trying to remember, dr stephen greer and i'm not saying i agree with all he's saying or um trust what he's saying or all that kind of stuff but i remember watching something recently where he said they forced something like this for the technology to be disclosed within a six month period and that video i think was like a couple months ago is this something to do with that and rather than admit that they've got like a private citizenship group and its other players in the industry filing lawsuits for um monopoly or that it's done via private citizens and corporations and uh, monopoly law uh, done legally through the court system rather than a kind of appealing to government to be honest kind of system is this because i remember thinking hearing that going well all right he's clearly given it a six month time frame that'll be interesting and then i, I only remember listening to that a couple of weeks ago and then the video before then was like a month before then or something is this what he was actually talking about coming to fruition and rather than going oh yeah there was this uh, group of all these private citizens and private companies that forced us through all these legal things to come in we're just going to control the narrative and go hey we want to be good oh yeah well we've got all this technology look, oh look look what we found under the rug oh look we can end uh, poverty and world hunger oh that was just lying in the cabinet was it uh, hey we've just found it and hey we're your friends um Let's talk about patents of this technology, shall we? But you could power the world for free, wouldn't you? Well, we say free. You know. Well, so interesting times, friends. So, yeah. Those are my two thoughts. It's that 
and I'm not even necessarily saying that my first and second thoughts are necessarily connected. There could be another reason why the Western governments want us to know about aliens. There could be another reason other than the fact that there was a, this alleged lawsuit or something that seemed to actually have a lot of clout with, you know, because they did it as like a class action or something. Anyway, you, go and, if you want to know, I almost put it on Beyond the News, but I thought this is Stephen Greer talking about alien technology. I can't put this on Beyond the News. It's just, it's not what I do. But um, it almost makes me wish that I had now because I could have gone, hey, listen to, you know what I said about this? Because he actually named time frames and anyway. But if you go onto YouTube, uh, I think it was like a clickbaity title, so I can't remember the title, but something if you perhaps do like um a duck duck go search dr stephen greer class action lawsuit disclosure within six months see what you get because i didn't research it i just watched him do a video but see what you get if you want to that, that could be something more to do with it um of course it could be project blue beam as well ramping ourselves up for that so let's go on to just do it the government could be forced to disclose if aliens have visited earth under new legislation <sighs> i don't really like that line would it that's a bit open-ended isn't it wouldn't it be you've got to disclose if you've got patented energy technology which you're running a monopoly on with your company and it could change the world you know rather than uh america go look there's something in egypt we're pretty certain that's weird and that's what we've got there's our file uh, nothing else to see here uh, but yeah we're pretty certain that an alien did that are we all right is that enough for disclosure can we go home now so the senate passed an amendment in july that will be part of the national defense authorization act for 2024 known as the unidentified anomalous phenomena uap disclosure act it says government agencies with records samples of craft or biological material must hand it over within 300 days so that is pretty much what Stephen Greer was talking about but he said six months rather than 300 days and he gave he's it's all time standard everything go and listen to yourself and again I'm not saying this is it I'm just saying it was really interesting to watch that video and then see this article a couple of weeks later President Joe Biden will have 90 days to appoint a nine-person review board responsible for investigating each record and determining if they are considered UAPs that should be disclosed to the public. So again, there will be, right, you've got to have this disclosure, but you can pick your special team to decide what you want to disclose. So that sounds like what's happening there, doesn't it? Any government agency possessing such records will be required to hand over printed and digital copies to the board, which has 180 days to investigate and 14 days to publish their findings. Again, 108 days. Yeah, that was sounds more familiar. The president, however, can vote against disclosing specific evidence if it poses a national threat. Um, <laughs> well, he did that with the... Well, if his son's laptop... Uh, if we had that as a disclosure project, let's not exactly uh, let's not exactly expect too much of Mr. Biden if that was anything to go by. So, uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, a Democrat, has teamed up with Senator Mike Rounds, a Republican, in leading an effort to force a disclosure of information relating to what the government officially calls unidentified anomalous phenomenon. So again, they've changed it from UFOs to UAPs, a nice rebranding as well. That's usually a sign of something. 
Uh, I'm just going to scroll down now and see what the Daily Mail readers make of that. Um, but yeah, don't usually do aliens or anything not on that on this show. But this is made mainstream news, so here we are. I'm going to cover it. Um, right then, let's get the uh, best rated and worst rated. Scrolling down now. Oh. It's so tempting to swear on this podcast when you're trying to get the comments down on the day. I'm going to press pause. Well, I finally found it, and it's a good job I did pause it, actually. So here is the top comment here. Up 423, down 7. So pretty polarised, but not particularly engaged. Federal government forced to disclose what it knows about aliens, yet couldn't find out who brought coke into the White House. Got it. Okay, so again, that's along the lines of... Um, right, we have such little faith in governments around the world and their ability to tell the truth. So when they finally go, oh, we're going to tell the truth, <clears throat> you can imagine. Right, um, and then let's show more comments. Uh, it's got, ignore the open border, forget the economy, look, aliens. Okay, so again, it seems to be, and those uh, comments were both from the United States as well. So, on the subject of weird technology, again, I own no copyright on anything. This is from a program called Sightings, but it's um, from it's from uh, 1995, I believe, and I'm playing this from YouTube, so I'm playing everything from public source. But if ever there is a problem with any form of uh, copyright that I play something I shouldn't, you can email me beyondthenews at protonmail.com. So here's the show. This is about HAARP. H-A-A-R-P. In 1993, the FAA started warning pilots to stay away from a certain section of airspace over Alaska. The U.S. government was experimenting with a new breed of high-altitude electronic technology was significantly altering the Alaskan airspace. The experiments continue to this day, and critics are warning that this project could have global effects that will destroy our planet. In Alaska, the rugged, pristine wilderness is timeless, most of it remaining just as it has for thousands of years. In the midst of all this natural beauty, just outside the small town of Kakuna, stands an enormous and seemingly harmless antenna farm. It is a $100 million Air Force project known as HARP, and critics of the soon-to-be-completed facility charge it just may turn out to be the ultimate doomsday machine. It's got all the marks of Dr. Strangelove on it. HARP is an acronym for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. According to program manager John Hesher, HARP is a research facility designed to study the ionosphere. All the military have communications, surveillance, navigation systems uh, whose paths either traverse the ionosphere or reflect from it. And so we need to be very careful about what we know about it and how we study it. What we're interested in is, is what is the effect of a large input of energy on the ionosphere. The ionosphere is the outermost layer of the Earth's atmosphere. It is part of an electromagnetic field that keeps out harmful solar and cosmic radiation. One visible effect of the sun's rays hitting the ionosphere is the aurora borealis, known as the northern lights. The ionosphere also plays a vital role in worldwide radio communication. The first 
transmission of radio waves across the ocean were quite a surprise when it was first done. People thought there'd be no chance to transmit the signals across the ocean by wireless. And That's uh, Michael C. Kelly, PhD. In fact, what the ionosphere does is act like a mirror. And so you transmit a signal and it bounces off the ionosphere and then it bounces off the Earth. When HARP is fully operational, it will transmit extremely powerful blasts of high-frequency radio waves directly up into the atmosphere, superheating the electrons that make up the ionosphere. This will cause them to disperse, effectively punching a hole in the ionosphere. But after you turn the instrument off, this... Sounds like a great idea. ...kind of moves around and it gets replenished. And uh, within a few minutes, uh, it's back to where you can't even detect that there's a hole anymore. The Air Force says that manipulating the ionosphere and studying the effect will allow them to improve the efficiency of communications, navigation, and surveillance systems. But researchers outside the military see HARP as a high-tech weapon with global implications. The way I see HARP as it is right now, it is a premier, I mean top-notch, high-energy radiophysics experiment and has definite military applications. Journalist Mark Farmer lives in Alaska and has written about the potential impact of HARP for both Jane's Defense Weekly and Popular Science Magazine. He believes that HARP will be used to take giant X-rays of Earth. Earth penetrating tomography is a technique using extremely low frequency radio waves. Today in geophysical probing, scientists will use explosives or a machine that thumps the ground to produce these waves, but HARP will stimulate the auroral electrojet to make an antenna thousands of miles long that will emit these ELF waves. Farmer's research indicates that the extremely low frequency waves would be capable of penetrating several kilometers into the Earth, ferreting out nuclear storage facilities and other underground military installations. This is producing surveillance systems able to detect uh, stealthy cruise missiles and aircraft. Uh, these are systems that will enable us to communicate at higher data rates and at greater distances with our ballistic missile submarines. While the Air Force insists HARP is not an offensive weapon and is necessary for continuing national security, Alaska native Nick Begich proposes a different scenario in this new book. The things that we found in other Air Force documents, um, one in particular was um, a document put together in 82. The document was called Low Intensity Conflict in Modern Technology with a forward by none other than Newt Gingrich. One section spoke about using radio frequency radiation transmitters for disrupting um, human thinking, um, uh, for de basically debilitating troops invisibly by being able to bombard them with radio frequency that was tuned to just the right frequency in just the right waveform so as to totally disrupt their mental process and basically debilitate those troops. Because of HARP's potential to disrupt the Earth's magnetic field, many observers are concerned that it will damage the biomagnetic sensors that migratory animals like salmon and birds depend upon. Anything that HARP can do to the magnetic field do you remember over the last sort of 20 odd years you've had all those things about going all oh, those animals just drop out of the sky or they hit windows or they never used to do it like not saying that it's hard I'm just saying it was in this sort of time period wasn't it and that is 
what that documentary just said that there may be fears about it we have seen stuff like that now of course plenty of birds fly around all the time also but we have seen effects on bees and all that kind of stuff could this be part of it could this be an effect i'm sure there are other environmental factors as well but could it be i don't know we're more questions and answers here on beyond the news uh, and that's where i'll leave that clip and that's where i'll leave today's podcast thanks very much for listening remember to keep an open mind and it's always a good idea to ask questions and be wary of people that don't think it's a good idea to ask questions in my humble opinion cheers <laughs>